you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Take that from me. I have purchased them on my own, and I can tell you that they are the best tasting ones. They got a bunch of different flavors, 12 original flavors, 6 new flavors. They got a whole new packaging, a whole new look, a whole new taste, and these taste even better than the previous ones. So you're going to want to go get you some Built Bars. They're covered in chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They taste like a candy bar. They are great for any any type of diet low calorie low sugar high protein high fiber great for keto pretty much anything you're on if you're health conscious built bars are for you and right now you can get ten dollars off your next order when you go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on that's promo code locked on ten dollars off builtbar.com yo 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 dodger fans welcome to locked on dodgers we are part of the locked on podcast network the number one local sports daily podcast network Locked on, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio, Chavez Ravine Fiends, here with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, we had a weekend of no baseball. How did you enjoy it? Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit, actually. I, I had some family and church obligations this weekend, and so it was actually kind of nice to not have any baseball to try to balance with everything else. Uh, but I am ready for that break to be over. Yeah, I got to admit the break was nice, but I am ready and I don't want to wait another day, even though we do have to wait another day until the NLDS starts. But either way, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a couple of the news and notes from over the weekend. And then we have a special guest, Joe Davis, who will have a conversation with Jeff Snyder about a few things regarding national broadcasts and how to prepare and all that good stuff. But before that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. All right, Jeff, uh, no real surprising news over the weekend. The Dodgers traveled to their new home for hopefully the rest of October in the bubble in Dallas. And we talked a lot about the game one, game two starters last week. We came to the conclusion of it should remain Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw 1-2. And Dave Roberts and the rest of the organization agreed with us because that is exactly how it's going to line up. Yeah, for all the reasons we talked about, whether it's because you trust Kershaw to go deeper in a game than Bueller, and so you want to split up the bullpen games or uh, or whatever it is, uh, even if you just want to go with Bueller as the ace now, sure. I'll go along with that reasoning if you want. Either way, uh, I think Bueller starting game one makes the most sense and uh, leaves both guys on a good amount of rest, good solid full rest, and sets things up. Uh, no, no reason to mess with what worked in the in the wild card series, and hopefully it'll work again in the division series, and then it'll work again in the championship series, and then it'll work again in the world series. Yeah, that's the ideal situation. Uh, as far as beyond game two, Dave Roberts was not ready to name any of them. He said it's going to depend on how the series goes. You would imagine maybe if they have to use one of those 
three youngsters in one of the previous games. Hopefully not, but it's possible that that might affect them starting later on. But either way, we got Bueller and Kirsch game one and two. Uh, other notes from out there, Jock Peterson did travel with the team, was there for workouts. Dave Roberts had previously mentioned that they only had Jock really guaranteed through the wild card round. So it's good to see him. Hopefully that means all is okay, all is well on his end of things. And I guess the other big thing that came out of it was Kenley Jansen is still the closer with giant quotation marks around closer. Uh, Dave Roberts, one of the exact quotes he gave was, there's still going to, or a few of the quotes, there's still going to be times that I might need him in a different inning and he's on board with whatever to help us win baseball games. The closer is a title, but I think that in practice there are certain things in certain parts of the lineup. I think he's the best option. We'll proceed that way, and also went along with the quote of, uh, "He might be, you know, he might close out games, but putting ourselves in that situation where I can't use him in a situation where I feel he's the best option isn't the best decision for the Dodgers right now." Jeff, what are those quotes telling you about Kenley Jensen? You know, there's a lot of different ways you could take that, and I honestly believe that uh, that's Dave Roberts speak for Kenley's not the closer. Uh, we're going to play matchups with Kenley. We're going to, when, when we put Kenley in a game, it's going to be in a position where we think he's most likely to succeed. And what that means is uh, <laughs> bad hitters. Like basically, you know, uh, we're not going to see Kenley coming into an inning with Tatis and Machado coming up. I, I think that's just not going to happen. Uh interesting against the Padres where they don't really have any bad hitters against the Brewers. There were plenty of spots you could find where uh, Kenley would make sense. Uh, but I think what we're going to see is Kenley coming in to face the, you know, six, seven, eight hitters in an inning, uh, whether that's the seventh inning or the eighth inning or the ninth inning, I think it's going to be more based on uh, Kenley's best chance to succeed. But the fact is right now, uh, among the relief pitchers, Gratterall, Trinan, and Kenley are the only ones who've thrown a single pitch in the last week. How long has it been since the season ended? A week now? And so, you know, they have such a rested bullpen now. Uh, even if Dylan Floro had been on the roster for the wildcard series, he wouldn't th- thrown a pitch. And so they have plenty of relievers. And uh, I, I think <laughs> the situation that Dave Roberts is thinking of for Kenley Jansen is we're up by six with the sixth, seventh, and eighth hitters coming up. Yeah, if you read the quotes at face, you would think that it means he's going to be using high leverage situations when there's, you know, bases loaded in the seventh inning and we need an out where, you know, if you didn't know the Dodgers or if you were just reading the quotes out of without any type of context, that's what you would think. But uh, I think it's more of what you're saying is that he is not the closer. He will come in toward the bottom of the lineup, maybe in a, a game where they're already ahead or down late in the game where, you know, it's not really going to hurt them. I can't, you know, I think they might give him a crack at maybe a ninth inning if it's a close game, depending on where they're at in the lineup. But at this point, I think Dave Roberts has realized, you know, he said he had to talk with Jansen on Saturday. I think everyone's realizing, you know what, he's not going to be the guy in there every ninth inning, especially with no days off, especially if he pitches one day. The, the chances of him pitching well the next night have not really shown to be that throughout this season. So it's a nice way of the way that Roberts put it. He made it sound a lot better than what 
the actual situation and probably what it act, what the words actually mean. Yeah, it's baby steps, you know, and step one is getting Kenley to accept not being the ninth inning guy every time. And the fact is, Kenley's got a 300 career saves. He's got his huge contract. He's rich. You know, the one thing he doesn't have is a World Series title. And if it takes Kenley pitching mop-up duty in the sixth inning of a blowout game to get him that World Series title, uh, you know, I assume that he will. I mean, obviously, Kenley's uh, got pride and and everything. He still thinks of himself as the guy who can get it done in the ninth inning. Uh, but I think he, like everybody else, is shooting for this team accomplishment right now. Yeah, and he's he's got to know. He's seen, you know, other than Justin Turner, he's seen almost everyone at some point get some kind of demotion or become a platoon guy. You know, Bellinger was a platoon guy a couple years ago. Kershaw, I guess, theoretically got bumped from game one to game two starts. Little things like that that he's seen. He's got to realize everyone's here for the betterment of the team, and I think uh, he, he realizes that. Although, if you do want something to go read, uh, Pedro Mora of The Athletic wrote an article about Kenley Jansen. A lot of quotes from Trayvon Robinson, who's like one of Jansen's best friends, uh, kind of going through that whole situation of him, you know, kind of falling off where he was and, and trying to figure it out and get back to where he was. So that's a good article if you want something to read. Uh, but I think that's all we got from News and Notes. Jeff, you got anything else real quick? Uh, just the last little thing is that Robert said that Floro is likely to be back on the roster and it seems like the decision is going to be, do they bump Cabert Ruiz or do they bump Terrence Gore? Just trying to decide between the third catcher or the pinch runner. Uh, I know my choice, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and that's also just assuming that Jock is on the roster uh, because Jock it traveled with the team to Texas with his family. And so, uh, yeah, that's all up in the air still. Yeah, so we're going to come back, and Jeff is going to have his conversation with Joe Davis talking about the postseason broadcast. The Dodgers playoffs start tomorrow, and maybe you are going to be at home a ball full of stress like I will. Maybe you're going to need a snack or some stress M&Ms. I'm a big fan of stress M&Ms. Maybe you need some 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 stress snacks, some something. You're going to need something delivered. You can't leave. you got to... You know, you can't leave and, and miss the game. You got to have it delivered. So Postmates is your personal food delivery, stress M&M delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver 24 hours, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. All you have to do is download the app and you can browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. That is a lot of stress M&Ms. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use code Locked On. That's code Locked On for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Locked On. And keep it Locked On Dodgers. All right, we are back and we are... Not going to do an obscure former Dodgers segment. We will talk a little bit about some former Dodgers at the end of the episode. Before we get into the conversation with Joe Davis, Jeff, uh, you got a little primer for us? Yeah, I I had reached out to Joe. Uh, You know, we all kind of dealt and suffered through the ESPN broadcast in the wildcard series. And I actually reached out to Joe before it was announced that he was actually broadcasting the division series uh, just because I wanted to get his his insight having done both local broadcasts and national broadcasts and and get some of his thoughts about uh, the difference between those and any insights he had on how we could 
come to love or at least accept the national broadcast because that's what we have for the next hopefully three and a half weeks or whatever it is. And, and so then between the time that I reached out to Joe and we actually recorded, it was announced that he was doing the this series. So we talked about that. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of my thoughts. Uh, Joe is a, a great dude and uh, the best in the business at the local side and the national side. And so uh, I wanted to get his thoughts. So that is what you're going to hear right now. All right. My guest today is a little known broadcaster who we just found out will be broadcasting the Dodgers NLDS series. Uh, uh, some of you Dodger fans may have heard of him. He goes by the name of Joe Davis. Is, did I pronounce that right, Joe? You got it. Yeah, yeah. You nailed that. You must uh, you must have studied the pronunciation guide hard for that one. That's what I do. You know, I, I believe in coming prepared, and I learned that from my favorite broadcaster, a guy named Joe Davis. Uh, <laughs> Joe, you uh, you believe in preparation. I, I think that's something that uh, anybody who's worked with you would agree. And uh, one thing, I just want to talk to you a little bit about the difference between doing a local broadcast for for the Dodgers and doing a national broadcast because you are very very good at both of those things and I want to talk about some of the differences uh this time of year baseball fans I think of of every team kind of go through uh I I don't know what the word is but I I think fans of every team feel like the national broadcasters hate their team and and I think probably most national broadcasters have been accused of that and uh, I have a theory and I want to run it by you, see if it holds water. And uh, basically, I think, you know, we get so used to watching our local broadcasters all year who just, even if they're not homers, some, some are, some aren't, but even if they're not homers, they naturally know more about the home team because they're more familiar with them. And so the broadcast you're getting throughout the 162 or the 60, whatever it is, is focused more naturally on the home team. So when you get an actual neutral broadcast, it feels less pro your team and therefore anti your team. Do you think that theory holds water? Yes, totally. I think you nailed it. And I, I think that you, regardless of the slant of the broadcast, just it's what you get used to when it's every single day over the course of six months or whatever, in this case, two months, you get used to the couple voices that you hear when you're listening to your team. And then these guys come in that may be exceptional at their job. And in most cases are, you're just not used to them. It's different in the NFL where there is no such thing as a local TV broadcast. It's once a week. You're used to having the national guys every weekend. So I think that, that the national guys on football still take heat, but it's not the same as baseball where you get so used to your local guys. Is that something you have in mind when you're prepping for a national broadcast or even doing the broadcast? Are you, do you have that dynamic in mind or is it something that you have to put out of your mind? Yeah, no, I think that you can't tie yourself up thinking about it. You know, you don't want to handcuff yourself by overthinking that. It's it's different. You understand that the job is a little bit different than if I'm announcing a game on Sportsnet LA. So I take a step back in my preparation. And whereas, you know, you get into the you get into the Dodger broadcast since every day, it's more uh, finer details that you're really getting into and the fans, you know, are dialed into all the little teeny storylines about each guy whereas when you're doing a national one you're looking at it from a much broader perspective and trying to introduce these guys to a national audience so I have to kind of reset my mind reset my notes reset my prep when I'm doing a Dodger game it's not as simple as when I do a Dodger national game it's just a another day at the park I really have to kind of take a step back and say okay I know Dodger fans know about Corey Seager and at this point it's old news that he had his surgery and you know his whole story 
I have to tell, retell that story to a national audience. And, you know, then on the other side, I think that Oral and I both take pride on Dodger broadcasts, getting excited when the other team does something well. Good baseball is good baseball, and we like it no matter who's doing it. But uh, you probably, I'm probably going to be getting more excited for the Padres or the Cardinals on a Fox game than I would be on a Dodger broadcast. And that's just it's how it is. It's a, it's a different format, and I have different employers and a different audience. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, you kind of answered my next question, but you know, is there anything else when you are doing a Dodgers national game? Uh, is there anything like, do you feel like you need to over prepare for the other team be, just because you do know the Dodgers so much better? No, I wouldn't say over prepare. I think regardless of if, because nine out of 10 national games I'm doing, the Dodgers aren't involved. And, you know, it's two teams that are quote unquote new teams for me or that I'm parachuting in to do. I don't look at it as over preparing as much as it is just really doing diligence to the job and really preparing well and, and being as much of an expert as you can be when you don't see that team play every day. So I, I don't approach team B in this case, if team A is the Dodgers, I don't approach team B any differently than I would team A and B if it was two teams that weren't the Dodgers. So I, I really try to, really try to go deep and, and know everything that there is to know about the team. And I don't try to do like an extra version of that just to overcome the fact that some people may be upset that I'm the Dodger guy and that may put me at a disadvantage in some people's eyes. Yeah. Um, when it comes to postseason games, you know, I, I know a lot of people who they, they say, yeah, I, I don't watch the baseball season's too long. I only watch in October. And so your audience is different totally. for a postseason game than for a regular Fox Saturday game that you do. How, how does that affect your preparation, knowing that you're talking to maybe more casual fans that, than, than during the regular season? Is, the, is your prep different? I think it's a little different. It's, it's a whole lot different than an everyday Dodger broadcast because Dodger fans know these people, whereas for the reasons you mentioned, especially on the national postseason games, we look at it as introducing these guys to a national audience. So you know Will Smith's story by now. A lot of people, a lot of casual baseball fans across the country don't know who Will Smith is, or at least don't appreciate what Will Smith has become. So we're taking a step back and, and trying to reintroduce these people. And um, it's completely different than if, say, I was doing it on Dodger Radio. I wouldn't be telling you everything about Will Smith's you know, path to get to this point. You'd be updating you that – you know, be updating something from a few days ago with Will. It's much more day-to-day -day on the local side, and it's much more global when you're looking at it from a national perspective. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, when, when you're doing the Sportsnet LA broadcast, you and Oral obviously have a great relationship professionally and personally. I have it on good authority that you guys love each other. Um, <laughs> do, when you're working with somebody else on a national broadcast, I, I, actually, let's, let me change that question. Uh, the relationship you have with Oral, does that make your job easier or just more fun? Specifically on the Dodger games? On the Dodger broadcast, yeah. Both, both. It's, uh, I don't have to think one bit when I do Dodger games. You know, it's, you don't want to call it, a, call it autopilot because we both take a lot of pride in, 
and doing a lot of work to get ready for the games and, and being very well prepared. But once you get on the air, it really is, it's a part of your brain you can shut off as far as when is this guy going to talk? When do I get in? Whose turn is it to do what? And same thing with our producer, Mike Levy and Alana Rizzo, who's our sideline reporter, as you know, you, you do so many games together and there's no substitute for reps and for time when it comes to that. And you combine that with the fact that, like you mentioned, Oral and I have such a great relationship off the air. Uh, it's it makes everything seamless. Yeah, and then when you go to the national broadcast, you know, you there's it's not the same partner every time. You have it's a smallish group. You know, you you rarely work with somebody you've never worked before with before. But uh, how does that change when you do national broadcast? What what's different for you during those three hours? Well, lately it's been different because John Smoltz has been in Atlanta and I've been in Los Angeles. So that, man, that makes it very difficult when, you know, and again, it's all relative, very difficult compared to sitting next to each other talking about baseball. Sitting across the country talking about baseball is not that hard of a thing. It's just a, a wrinkle added to it that definitely adds a challenge. Um, it's, again, because you're doing it every day with oral, it's going to be easier than when you're with somebody even once a week. But thankfully at this point, John Smoltz and I have been doing games together for a few years now, and it gets better all the time, easier all the time. And I think that we had a pretty good rapport right away. We're both from the same area in Michigan from about 15 minutes apart, a couple small towns. And so we've had that as kind of an icebreaker. And uh, it's, I, I consider him a, a good friend and feel like that we've developed a good relationship over these few years working together. And that's the foundation for anything on the air is your relationship off the air. It's going to be hard to come on the air and sound like you have good chemistry and really have a good back and forth. If before the light goes on and the, the microphones go hot, if you don't have any chemistry, you can't just turn that on and fake it once the games begin. Yeah. You mentioned Michigan, the Tigers had a little issue a year or two ago where their, their broadcast team actually came yeah. to blows and, and, I don't watch a ton of Tigers games, but I think you could tell even before that, yeah, these guys, there's a different dynamic and it, and it makes it less enjoyable to, to listen to. Yeah. Much less enjoyable to listen to, I'm sure. And I can't imagine going into in an everyday role, going into a booth with somebody who you don't like at the very least, you got to be able to tolerate them. You, you spend as much time with that person as you do your own family. So just the, the, real life relationship with your partner in the booth it's a really big deal but if it came to blows you could take oral right uh, i mean he talks about all those days on the versa climber uh, I, I don't know i know it's been a couple of years since he's hit it but i don't know if i want to mess with a guy named the bulldog that's that's probably true um i i joked at the beginning of this about the pronunciation of your name uh la last night's game was a little bit frustrating just uh the there were some mispronunciations of names and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to ask you to criticize any other national broadcaster for sure, but, but just kind of leading in for you, how big is pronunciation when you're doing research, when you, when you're coming across names that you're unfamiliar with, how much work do you do to make sure that you get the names right? Yeah, you got to nail the basics. Uh, I, I always think that if you get something like that wrong, no matter how good your content is, you've already kind of lost credibility. And again, I'm not talking about any broadcaster in particular or any broadcast in particular, just in general, that's my philosophy that you've got to really nail the basics on radio. That's time and score. And it's the details of the descriptions, but foundationally it's the names and saying them right. So um, 
you know, college football, we have these rosters that are 120 guys long and you get some Samoan names or some Nigerian names in college football that you're probably not just going to pull off without studying them and figuring out. So we spend a lot of time making sure that we have those spelled phonetically correctly. We go over the entire rosters before games. Baseball, it's a little bit different just because it's every day and these are professionals who more often than not, you know how their names are said. But if there's ever any question, I like to go to the broadcaster of the team that the guy's playing on and, and hear it from them. I think that's important. Number one, they should know. And number two, that's how that fan base is going to be used to hearing the name, whether it's right or not. Hopefully it's right. 99% of the time it's going to be right if that's how their guys are saying it. But yeah, uh, it's a long way to say that you know, there's a lot that goes into the job and, and you put a lot of time into the job. But if you don't nail those basics, then you don't have much ground to stand on. So if you had you know, one bit of advice you could give Dodger fans as we're hopefully have three more series of, of postseason baseball with national broadcasts, obviously we're lucky we get you this next series, uh, but then who, who knows who will have the next. Uh, I, I assume you, you get the, you find out one series at a time. Yeah. Yep. So assuming we have to listen to somebody who's not Joe Davis uh, the rest of this month after this next series, what advice could you give us as fans to, to be able to embrace the national broadcast and not let it drive us crazy? I think you just have to kind of accept that it's not going to be the same as what you're used to during the regular season. And that doesn't mean that it's not as good. It's just not what you're used to. And that may mean that you don't like it and that's fine. But, uh, don't think that these guys don't study or that they don't want the Dodgers to win. I can promise you the national broadcasters, they don't care who wins. If there's any, if there's any rooting, it's for a good series, a good competitive series where both teams play well, uh, but they, they don't care they don't, they, who wins the game. They don't hate the Dodgers. They don't hate whoever it's going to be against the Dodgers. Um, and, you know, I, just for some perspective, I go off and, and do, say, Yankees-Red Sox. Well, the Yankees and Red Sox fans, you're going to find plenty of them that think I'm horrible. And Dodger fans may say, no, he's great, right? Well, that's that's looking at it from the other perspective, right? So, like, Joe Buck comes in and, and Dodger fans want to say Joe Buck hates their team. He doesn't. And Joe Buck is a Hall of Famer. He's incredible at what he does. And that's just one example um, so as best you can, separate it from what you're used to during the regular season, because it is an entirely different thing. But these are really, really talented people at what they do, and they're in those positions for a reason. Well, Joe, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk to me. I know it's a busy time for you getting ready for the NLDS. Uh, I, I could talk to you for, for 20 hours with the questions okay. I have about your job. It's kind of my dream job. And, uh, you know, like most Dodger fans, I consider you a friend. Uh, even the ones who haven't met you. Uh, so thanks for all you do. Good luck this week uh, or this coming week. Uh, I think this will air on Monday. So I guess, yeah, I'm, I'm saying this week. Yeah. Um, good luck with that. And, and yeah, keep up the good work and, uh, and go Dodgers. And even if you can't say it out loud, remember <laughs> the Dodgers are always team A. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Padres fans, you know, if it's Padres next week, you're going to go back and hear this and they're going to latch onto that team A, team B thing. And I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm a dead man walking on social media, aren't I? Yeah, well, uh, you know, we're recording this before the Padres Cardinals game three. So hopefully, it'll hopefully the Cardinals will be team B and the, the Padres will be team at home. 
You know what, though, for uh, for the record, I would love a Dodgers Padres series. I just think the Padres are so exciting, and what they're what they're doing with the you know, Tatis and Machado playing the way he's playing, I think they're great for baseball. So I, I would love to see those two teams play. Absolutely, and I, I think the Dodgers, you know, are going to be the favorites in any series. They're they're the better team. Uh, it would just suck a lot more to lose to the Padres. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not going to be fun to lose to anybody. So <laughs> hopefully that won't come up. Yeah. All right, Jeff. All right. Always Thank you, Joe. Do this, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Take care, man. You too. Tell the family hi again. Will do. Thanks, Joe. All right. See ya. All right. Thank you again to Joe Davis for hopping on with Jeff and having the conversation. Jeff, you got any other news or notes maybe that, that came from this uh, conversation? Uh, no, the, it was uh, it was really fun to talk to Joe and kind of get his insights and and see that you know, he is the big point that he made when he mentioned he has different employers when he's working for Fox versus when he's working for Sportsnet LA and he can't be rooting for one team when he's working for Fox. And uh, but I liked his his points about uh, how national broadcasters are just different and the broadcasters don't hate the Dodgers. They just like the teams equally. And that's something we're not used to because we are used to watching a local broadcast. So a lot of good insights from Joe. So thanks again, Joe, for doing that. All right. Before we head out for the day uh, over the weekend, we lost a couple former Dodgers, Sweet Lou Johnson, who was an obscure former Dodger not too long ago, and Ron Paranoski, who I believe was also an obscure former Dodger at some point, or at least part of a few stories about them. Uh, and, you know, to a, a certain extent, not a Dodger, but Bob Gibson, uh, also passed away this weekend. So Jeff, uh, you may, you know, you, I, if they were both obscure former Dodgers, you did both of them. So you might have a little more insight into them. Yeah. I don't think we did Paranoski. Uh, but yeah, I, I did sweet Lou Johnson just a couple of weeks ago and you know, he was only a Dodger for a couple of years. He wasn't, didn't have a long career, uh, but he had some big moments. He had two home runs in the 1965 world series, including a big one in game seven, uh, and he scored the only run in Sandy Koufax's perfect game, uh, had the only hit for the Dodgers that game. And so uh, in a short time with the Dodgers, had some really big moments. And by all accounts, everybody who met him loved him. There's a reason they called him Sweet Lou. Uh, he was just a sweetheart of a man. And, and so that's really sad for everybody who knew him. Ron Paranoski, I felt more of a personal connection to because he was the Dodgers pitching coach basically for my whole childhood from – uh, you know, a few years before I started paying attention until like my senior year in high school, Ron Paranoski, he and Tommy Lasorda and Joe Amalfitano were like the Dodgers coaching staff and Manny Mota, the first base coach. And so, uh, you know, I, I was a pitcher growing up. And so I always had a soft spot for Paranoski. Uh, he was a left-hander when he played. And so I, you know, I always thought he was a little bit weird that way, but uh, uh, some of my favorite people are left-handed. Uh, and so, yeah, Ron Paranoski just the the work he did with Fernando Valenzuela and Oral Hershiser and Ramon Martinez and and so many different guys. Uh, you know, I just have a really soft spot for Ron Paranoski, and that one hit me hard. I was very sad to hear about his passing. And uh, yeah, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't young, but he wasn't as old as I feel like people should get to be. You know, yeah, uh, you know, our thoughts and, and prayers and positive vibes and condolences to the families. But uh, Jeff, you got anything else before we finish? Uh, no, I think on tomorrow's episode, we're going to have 
at least part of the episode will be a crossover with Javi from Locked On Padres to preview this upcoming series. Uh, last time I talked with Javi, you'll remember, I told him, I think my quote was, the Padres are a perfectly fine team, and I think they have just as good a chance as anybody at finishing in second place in the National League West. Uh, that seems to have been accurate, and so hopefully the trash I talk to him on tomorrow's episode will be equally accurate. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming back with us as the Dodgers embark on the potential road to a World Series. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't already done so. Make sure if you don't listen five times a week that you add try and add one episode to your week, uh, especially now with the playoffs. Why would you want to miss an episode, especially when we have great guests like Joe Davis every once in a while? So make sure to subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, post about us. We've been getting a lot of love on Twitter lately, so shout out to everyone who, who's shown love. We appreciate you guys. And continue to do that if you want. Ways to get a hold of us. We are on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vince Samperio. The DMs are open on all those accounts. You can also send us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call or shoot us a text at 323-863-LOCK-5625. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you tomorrow. D. I say D-O. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs. They're my Los Angeles. Your Los Angeles. Our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye!